and welcome to Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is Morgan Calton and it's the day after the night before. Fulham are going to Wembley. It's been 43 years, but we are going back. The building has changed, but the dream is still there. We are one game away from the Premier League, back to where we belong. And after a night of such high emotions, I'm joined tonight by Matt Dom and John Shaw to discuss the game and what we can see happening in however long it is, 10 days' time, 11 days' time, uh, when we go to uh, Wembley Way and take on either Aston Villa or Middlesbrough. Having And I'm watching the game as we speak on my little phone, and Villa almost scored to basically put themselves in the final, but it's still nil-nil in that game. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that as well, just so we can sort of, yeah, talk through what's going to happen on the 26th of May. Matt, John, thanks for joining me. Uh, sorry for the delay, but yeah, welcome. Evening. Hi, Morgan. Um, so basically, let's kick straight into it. Let's have a chat about last night. It was amazing. The emotions running from through the whole match basically were all let loose at the final whistle. I haven't seen a pitch invasion at Craven Cottage since we beat Chelsea in 2006. And even then it was kind of minor. Matt, give us your feelings on the game first. <laughs> oh, what a night. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to rate it alongside Juventus and Hamburg. Um, it's difficult, but I, I think it might top both of them, to be honest. Um, it was just... It was the perfect performance. I mean, Slav went as far to say he, it was almost perfect. I think it was perfect. We did what we needed to do. We made the changes uh, in the way we played. Um, compared to Friday, you know, we, we needed we needed to get in behind. That's what AK did. We needed to push up closer to Mitro. And, you know, he had a lot more support from midfield. And, you know, it worked. It was brilliant. Fully deserved. And, yeah, what a night. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those performances that coming off the back of fairly lifeless displays against Birmingham and Derby, although, you know, obviously they did dominate possession-wise against Derby, they weren't, it wasn't the team that had gone 23 unbeaten. This was a team that looked like they were sort of running out of steam and just at, you know, at the wrong time. And last night, they upped it again. They showed fantastic mental strength and they played the football that we've come to know and love over the last few months. And it was just so great to see. And it just filled us with so much confidence as to what might happen uh, at Wembley. Uh, John, what, what did you think? What did you come out of the game feeling apart from, you know, pure happiness and joy? Um, oh, it's, it's all a bit of a, it's a bit of a blur to be honest. It was very, it was a very emotional night and um, I didn't cry, <laughs> nothing like that. But, you know, just you, the hope, fears, expectations, you know, and then you're, you know, there watching it. It um, kind of got washed away in a bit. But um, it was just really special. You know, I remember walking home after the Juventus game and just the streets around the, ga- the cottage would have so much good feeling and everyone was, you know, left the ground in high high moods and it was kind of back again yesterday. And you kind of, every person you bumped into, I met a few people on the train home and just really good, positive vibes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really lucky to have been there. And um, yeah, I mean, this is this is what we've been aiming for. Um, so we, we've achieved it. The team has done amazingly well. Yeah, ecstatic, really. I guess the sort of you know the comparisons with the sort of the Hamburg game, the Juventus game. Uh, whilst those games were brilliant and the competition itself was great fun, this also has that kind of seriousness that the Europa League didn't really have. So 
whilst you know it was great to reach the final of the Europa League, it didn't mean you know it wasn't kind of the life or death scenario type. Whereas getting back to the Premier League is so important for the club in terms of stability uh, financially. Now that the parachute payments have, uh, will be ending, and keeping a lot of our sort of star players, even potentially our manager. So I think it was as much a sense of relief that we got over the hurdle of the playoff or the playoff semi-final to even give ourselves that chance because obviously with our uh, past uh, record in the playoffs, it was a little bit, are we going to cock it up again? But I think that performance last night just gives us that confidence that the playoff hoodoo is over. Whoever we get in the final, we won't be scared of. And even moving forward, even sort of getting to the premiership, if we play football like that, it won't be, it, well, of course, it'll be hard, but, you know, you f- feel confident that it won't be a struggle. I mean, Matt, what, what were you thinking last night in terms of the sort of watching the football? Do you think that would have held up in the premiership or do you think it's obviously just a completely different ball game? Yeah, um, it, it's a different ball game, but I kind of, I like to look at it from the point of view of there's a lot more teams, maybe this season aside, in the Premier League who want to play football. And, you know, we look at the teams that we usually do best against, and that's the teams who come at us, let us play football. So from that point of view, I think, you know, the way we play would fit right in. You know, there needs to be some improvements, I think, in a a few areas. But the the example, you know, we've got to look at is Tim Ream. Um, I spoke to one of my non-Fulham friends who who watched the game, and, um, you know, he agreed with me that, Tim Ream was every inch Premier League centre-back, top eight, top six centre-back. You know, the, you don't see many players in the Premier League and many centre-backs in the Premier League with his composure. And, you know, he was absolutely outstanding again last night. He's improved hugely. Bettinelli's improved hugely. You know, there's there's some really good talent in that team. And, you know, with a few improvements, I think we, we would fit right in. So, you know, we, we're by far the best team in this, left in it. You know, the two teams playing tonight don't look much good at all, but, you know, we've got to put them to bed. And, you know, there's no saying how far how, how far we can go with this team. So we need to go up, we need to keep them together. No, definitely. And I think you're right about uh, Reem. He's, I mean, his confidence, it just oozes every time you see him play. Even that dodgy back pass, that was, <laughs> had to, I think everyone's heart <laughs> in their mouth. You know, he is Tim Beckenbauer. I mean, that is the sort of composure of, you know, a sweeper or sort of like, you know, the grandest of uh, settings. And it's just so great to see how confident he's got because obviously, I mean, we've spoken about him in previous podcasts, how in, you know, years, well, the last couple of years, he hasn't really looked that great. He's kind of just been filling in um, and making up the numbers in our fairly frail defence. But I don't know what's happened. I don't know if he's, you know, start seeing a hypnotist or if he's you know doing some strange classes or something like that or if he's uh, seeing a psychologist or whatever but he's just a completely different player and it's so refreshing to see someone who is that confident playing at the back and you just whenever you see him with the ball you're confident that it's not going to go wrong I mean we've had some pretty poor uh just seeing uh, oh, it almost scored um you know, we've seen some pretty horrific defending over the last few years. So I think it's sort of, you know, it's nice uh, for us to be able to sort of look at a Fulham defender and go, yes, brilliant. John, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on Reem? Do you think he will be able to cut it in the premiership? I mean, obviously, 
at the moment he's looking every inch the Premiership defend, uh, defender. But do you think the step up will be good for him? Do you think it will allow him to play his football even more? Or do you think he is just a cracking uh, championship centre-back? Um, it's a really good question. I mean, he's by far, well, yeah, he's my player of the season by by a fair stretch and the improvement is is dramatic. I mean, I used to kind of take in a long suck of air every time the ball went near him, maybe last year at the beginning, nervous what was going to happen. But now it's the complete opposite. You almost just assume it's all going to be fine. I, I think that the question of the Premier League is, is, a, is a really difficult one because, I mean, we're looking at kind of 60% plus possession pretty much week in, week out, sometimes even higher than that. And... We're not going to get that week in, week out in the Premier League without, I mean, even with substantial additions. Um, so, I mean, Slav is so rigid in his in his style. We just do the same thing every game and we just get so good at it that that's how we play and, you know, we're not going to change for anyone. Or maybe subtle differences in the, in the, in the formation or, or the lineup. But um, it will be a massive test for Slav if we go up. I mean, look, we're not up yet. We've still got a game to go. Um, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But... Um, I mean, the the system we've got really suits our players, and you can often see sometimes on international duty. I mean, Kearney goes and plays for Scotland and looks indifferent. And McDonald, they are very much the sum of their parts, and even Sess to an extent. I don't know if he went to another team. If he, you know, everyone seems to fit this team. So, um, it's something I'd love to find out. I really would, and it, it's always that thing. If you do go up, do you, you know, when you strengthen, you're basically kicking the blokes in the nuts who have got you there. So I always think it's harsh and they, they deserve a go. And I think just because everyone does fit their role so well, it would be a shame to kind of tear the heart or take a few players out, out of this team. The test's going to be when we have 40% possession because, you know, if, we, if we're not... Sometimes we struggle to score with 65-70. So when we've got less possession, is that, you know, how are we going to play? Is going to be more on the break? And that, that, might, that might suit us, it might not. I think... I I was really impressed with AK last night. I can't. Where's he been? He he just seemed like such a different player from the, the one we got at first. Just he he just seemed to be a bit a bit headless, you know. Kind of he would make very naive mistakes, um, kind of fouling people when there was no need to, and just kind of all all effort, no thought. But last night, I think he he played really really well, and he didn't always just charge at them. He knew when to hold it, knew when to play it back. He he just offered something. Um, we, we we missed a lot in the first leg, and uh, yeah, I mean there wasn't there wasn't a bad performance, but I, I really liked what he what he did. I think I, I wanted to come on to AK because I thought I was watching. I was just like, yeah, he had a brilliant game, and it was it was very similar to the sort of game he had against Sunderland when he came on. He there are times when you sort of watch him, and I was trying to sort of remember who he sort of reminded me of, but his you sometimes just don't know what he's going to do. And sometimes he'll just show sort of sublime bits of skill, but it's sort of like you know, the simple things he does. You can see he thinks about it very well. I mean, he's obviously got a very good football brain. And then there are other times, like the sort of the dive, uh, which, you know, you look at the replays and it was a bit of a silly, sort of silly idea for me because it had gone through so well. I mean, he'd been, uh, it was one of those kind of runs that you see in Sunday League where kind of the ball was sort of bouncing everywhere. He still managed to control it as he was going. Um, I think he's, a, you know, he's definitely one of these players that is growing in size-wise as well, because I think he's getting, he looked a lot stronger in the game last night than he has in uh, what we kind of thought he would be based on his size. So I think it was, yeah, it was good to, it was good to see him play so well. I mean, sometimes, you know, his touch is heavier than that 
women that went, just won Eurovision. But it was it was a great you know compliment to the team. Something a little bit different, uh, still adding uh, something that really sort of worked with our style. Uh, John, what's what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I, I I agree with all of that. I mean, I I should have really spoke about Reem, which was a question you asked me. Um, I think Reem would no, would no, it's be, fine. Would, We've gone past Reem now. We know he's great. Okay, yeah, I think I think he would be fine in the Premier League. We're the only thing to go past Reem in the last uh, few months. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you go. There you go. And it's good because I think you know he, he's not the kind of chess beating defender that some are, but he's just gone about quietly. And now he's an absolute fan favourite, and um, yeah, good on him. Um, should uh, obviously we looked when he was clean through and we thought he had been fouled by Carson why do you think he did that do you think he just didn't trust himself to actually put the ball in the net or do you think he wanted to just to sort of disrupt the game by getting Carson sent off uh, Matt what did you think when you saw it I I don't really know what he was thinking it I think and having, having watched it back I think he was expecting a touch and Initially, Carson sort of had his leg out and his arm out a bit, but he very quickly pulled him back, and it, it was kind of too late, wasn't it? He was, he was expecting to have a touch and to go down, and I mean it would only have been a yellow because the defender came back to cover. <laughs> My initial thought was watching it when I was there live. I thought he had tried to chip him, and he tried. I thought he'd gone tried to go for goal, but it it doesn't look like that's what happened. I think he just put it in the air. Uh, and yeah, was anticipating contact, didn't get it, went down, ended up looking a bit silly. Um, but I wasn't too happy about Carson after that, though. Um, I mean, I think he should have been booked for his, his reaction, personally. If you see someone trying to get you sent off, you are going to react. And you, I think, you know, players have a right to react if they know someone has dived. I think, because I think, you know, diving is abhorrent in the game. I think it needs to be sort of wiped out. I'm not, I'm not against red cards for diving. Matt, you may have a different opinion on that. Well, no, I, it's funny because um, there was a moment in the second half when uh, Fredericks, I think he got inside, uh, he got inside the left back, who stuck his foot out, uh, made made a you know strong contact, but Fredericks stayed on his feet to try and get the ball back. Uh, didn't go down, didn't get a free kick, and that that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, that's why players go down if they're not going to get a free yeah. kick when it's a foul and they don't go down then can you blame them? No, I mean, as the, the Fredericks one, it was right in the corner of the penalty area. So if he had gone down, yeah. he may have even got a penalty for it. It was it was kind of one of those things that he did really well to stand up, but considering there was a player right in front of him as well, you kind of felt that he should have gone down, and justifiably. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but, you know, in all fairness to him, he, he knew the run he was on and wanted to carry on. Obviously, that sort of didn't come off, but you know, at least the endeavour was there. John, in terms of... In terms of that sort of like issue with the game, have you got any thoughts on it? Or yeah, I mean, I, I hate it. I mean, I play to an incredibly bad standard, but um, I, I can't dive. I don't know how to. They must practice. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's not something that I've got in my makeup. I mean, I, I don't like seeing it for any team. If we win a game because of it, I'm not happy. Obviously, much more so if we lose. I mean, it, it's, it is cheating the game. It's cheating the fans. Um, I think it's a difficult one because. You know, certain challenges are, are pretty horrific, and um, if you've got your weight on your standing leg, it can it can injure you. So I can understand players wanting to protect themselves, and sometimes then therefore they jump, and then you know they go go down easy. It's um, I think I think the um 
prospective i think were they looking at prospective bands or something like that i mean that i think i think giving someone a red card yeah retro there you go i think i'm giving someone a red card for for a dive in the game is difficult because actually sometimes it's not a dive it's it's so difficult in the actual game to know exactly what the player was was thinking if he was trying to protect himself i think i think more what should be looked at more is if you dive and you affect the game so if you win a penalty if you get someone sent off then maybe you should have a two three game ban it doesn't help the team you're playing against, which is the argument against that. In fact, it might even help, you know, their rivals. But it is disgusting, and you know, he he shouldn't have done it. You know, I hope he, he I hope he cuts cuts that out really because that's the only down I can see on his on his performance yesterday. I think you know, in some of these cases, it's you you see it happen, and you look at it in super slow motion, and you think, well, they clearly dived. They're also a lot of the times they're going really quickly and even the slightest touch can throw them off balance. And so it's hard to know if it's a diver. It's just sort of like, you know, you're going at such a pace and if you lose, you know, a slight bit of footing because of, you know, you just brush someone, you know, is that a dive or is that just, you've just fallen over? Um, I guess it's really in whether you actually appeal for a foul on that. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's one of those topics. It's a, it's a nasty topic, but I don't think we should really be concentrating on that because uh, aside from that little issue, uh, AK had a brilliant game. He really added to the team. In that first game, we've had to the first half of the game. I mean, really, we should have been sort of at least one up, two up going into half time. In all fairness to Carson, he showed sort of uh, the sort of the quality that made him an England keeper a few years back. I mean, that that save from Mitro's header was out of this world, and I think he had a you know save from uh, Cess as well. I mean, Matt. I mean, you look at. You look at someone like Carson. Is would he? Do you think he'd add something to a, a Fulham team, or do you think, you know, he's just one of those players that's had his time, and every now and then he's going to pull out a few worldies? Yeah, I mean, in t- in terms of that save from Mitrovic, I I went from I was in the Hamian, so it was as far away as you can get from it. But I went from that as an unbelievable stop to then maybe it was straight at him. But then I've seen it since, and he did have to make a movement with his arm just to keep it out, and it was it was a fantastic save. You know, it, by half time, you're you're kind of thinking he's going to go and win it for them, isn't he? Um, and you know, there, there are a few times where where keepers have played blinders against us and against everyone, um, and they they can make a difference in the game. He's he's made perhaps a sort of um, a sort of goalkeeper that we might sign to keep. Bettinelli interested if we go up, you know, it, it it's quite quite common to get a an experienced number a number two in to help a sort of younger goalkeeper as they make make the step up the leagues. But you know, I'm I'm stick with Bettinelli. I've you know he he had a good game. Um, he he came and claimed some big crosses. Uh, you know, he didn't shy away from it. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like Bettinelli. Uh, the first half, I mean, yeah. we, we should have been two or three up, shouldn't we? Let's face it. I think you know, sort of uh, my my argument against Bettinelli has kind of always been that he didn't really look the finished article. But obviously, in the last few months, he's certainly looking a lot stronger and looking much more of a sort of you know a mature goalkeeper. And he obviously he just needed that run of games. He needed that sort of um, confidence booster. And he's obviously getting some decent coaching as well to help him develop. And uh, yeah, we've spoken on the podcast a few times about sort of the goalkeeping competition. You know. All fairness to Button, he's come in, he's done his job, didn't do it particularly well. Uh, Marx is now definitely number one. I think Button will probably be out at the end of the season. It's really then up to Marcus to really sort of keep that keep that number one shirt. And you could see at the final whistle how much that meant to him. 
just seeing him crowd surfing, uh, him and Dennis. It, it was a joy to behold watching them. They were loving it. <laughs> so, I mean, John, I mean, you you watch it, you sort of like, you see, you see Bettinelli. And do you think, um, based on the performances uh, that he's put in, he deserves that right to play for us as the, you know, the number one next season, regardless of what league we're in? Yeah, I mean, I think if we stay in this league, he's definitely, he's definitely our number one. Um, I wouldn't rule button, wouldn't write button off yet because um, you know, Betts gets injured in the final. We might need him, so don't dent his confidence too much. But uh, I think Carson, I think Carson actually, I, I, watching the game, obviously last season in the second leg, bloody man of the match was Al Habsi, and you kind of thought, is that going to happen again? Um, it was a market different from the first leg, really. You know, Carson didn't have much to do at all, and nothing. He didn't do anything that you thought he shouldn't. And it was good to see, you know, us making making the keeper earn his earn his dollar really. And um yeah, but he I think he's actually quite a bit younger than I think than I thought, because he was in the England team. I think he ruled himself out. Um but I don't think he's that ultra keeper. So as as he would be kind of a very decent backup or competition for, for Betts. And just thank God he didn't have that wonder display in the second half to kind of make us, you know. It's horrible when their best player is their keeper because it tells you you've done a lot right. So, yeah, I think Betts, Betts has to be. I mean, he's a club guy. I managed to... Um, he invited me on the pitch after the game. <laughs> I managed to shake his hand quickly. But, um, yeah, it was... Um, he's done, And he's Fulham, you know. He's, I always think it's ironic. Everyone says um, Sess is one of our own because Betts is too. And, he, you know, he deserves all of our support. Um, there's stages where he's kind of been linked with, I think, Chelsea at one point, And he, he's stuck with us. And I think... I think his dad might be the goalkeeper coach. So um, he's been coached from a young age, I guess. Well, you know, Vic Bettinelli was goalkeeping coach for quite a few years uh, during the Premiership era as well. I can't remember when he joined, but yeah, he was uh, he was definitely at the club for a while. And obviously, I think that's why Marcus joined the club. It's his sister, I think his sister's a physio as well. So they're, they're, they're through okay. through. Um, so they're, they're, they're the kind of people you, you want and need at the club, you know, to keep, um, keep the yeah. heart there. It, it's nice to have that sort of that connection, that family connection. And I think obviously Sessignon has it as well with his brother. Um, I think it's I think it's important in the dressing room as well. You know, if you've got, a, I suppose, a bunch of mercenaries is the kind of old, old adage. But um, if you know, if you've um, if you've got people who really love the club and bleed the club, you know, they're not going to be happy with people having lackluster performances in the dressing room at half time. You know, they're going to bang some heads together and get everyone make it realise how lucky they are to be playing for a club. So it is important to have some, you know, some of that in, in the dressing room. I think, I think we're getting that quite a bit um, recently. I think obviously having a team that's been playing so well, I think that really has sort of helped breed that kind of passion for the team. And you can see it in KMAC especially when he's playing. He is so up for it every time. And I mean, Matt Bowman and I spoke about it um, on the way home from Birmingham. He is definitely the captain. All fairness to TC, he's a great player, but he's not a leader. Um, whereas K-Mac is there and he is he is the guy banging heads together. See last night when he was coming off the pitch, how how excited he was. I mean, they all were, but especially him, you know, he is he is a proper leader and it's great to see. And, you know, even though he has no ties to the club, you know, Scottish come from Wolves. He's got no ties to Fulham, he's got no ties to London. It's, I think, you know, having players who learn to love the club. It's a job for them, but sometimes you just get, you know, get that sort of good feeling 
playing for a team. And we've had that with a number of players over the years. It's like you don't get many players who leave Fulham and then at the end of it say, we've had a shit time. I don't want to you know, ever hear about them again. You only had to look at social media last night to see a bunch of our ex-players congratulating us and showing you know, shots of them watching it on TV. I mean, Matt, what, what do you think about these the players that aren't from sort of Fulham, as it were, now sort of you know loving the club. Yeah, I mean, it, you notice it. I noticed it from um, you know the, the squad as well. Uh, last night, um, watch, watching the game back uh, highlights today. You know, Rui Font is up celebrating this, both goals. He's the first one up. You know, Niskins Cabano. He's on the pitch immediately to uh, you know give Azoy a big hug. There's you know there's this connection um you go you know you go to ex players as you were saying who are tweeting their congratulations and stuff like that but there's a real sense of community even you know david button was um congratulating bettinelli at the end it's 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 great to see do you do you think that's um part down to slav do you think he's actually although he's not picking players like um cabano or even cc as well you see him sort of in quite a few of these shots um or and font as well he's had a tough time do you think he's including them within the first team squad and making sure that they still are around, still sort of you know having that camaraderie with the other members of the team who are playing, um, and trying them trying to make them not feel left out because they're not in the match day squad? It's hard to say what he's what he's doing, but you don't very often see you know the, the players who who aren't in the team quite as happy for the, the players who are keeping them out. To be, to be doing so well you know it's it's tricky and I think Aslav has got a big part of it but you know the character of some of the players I think comes into it as well Rui Font is clearly you know his his head is in the right place um he, he's an intelligent player he he's delighted with teammates he's, he's just maybe you know not the right fit on the pitch sometimes but um you know it, it it's difficult to say um Slav surely has got something to do with that though yeah you kind of you might also feel like sort of Font's biding his time if he sort of thinks that he might be better suited to uh, playing in the Premiership, then maybe he's sort of like holding out for yeah for us to get promoted and sort of thinking the actual style of the uh, Premier League might actually be more suited to the way he plays. So yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's kind of investing his time um, and the fact he probably just gets on with the other players probably does help. I mean, John. I mean, you sort of you look at it and go. What what would what do you what do you think when you sort of see these players who don't play uh, but are still up for it? It's it's difficult. I mean, um, I've worked in jobs before where you kind of you work as a as a team, and obviously they they spend a lot more of their time. It's not just match days, you know. They're training day in day out. Um, so they're going to make friends. Um, your best mate might be nowhere near the first team. You know, you might not even make the bench. So you're going to have that inside the club. I, I think Cisse actually has come out and. Kind of said some stuff actually um, earlier in the season, um, so it's not always in, in what in what sense. Oh, he was he was complaining. I, I it's too long too long ago for me to remember, but it it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice words about the club, and I think it, 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 look, it's frustration. If you if you if you, you don't want players at your club who are happy to sit on the bench, you don't want players who are just happy to train. So you want a bit of that, you know. The manager always say when when a player comes off and starts kicking his boots off and all that. I mean, I think it looks bad and disrespectful but it's not the worst attribute to have in a, in a player but it's all credit to, to the players who who are you know they're team players they understand it's that and they just hope for a chance I mean 
I think a massive example of this is uh, Dennis Adoy. I mean, six months ago, I think he was pretty disgruntled. He couldn't get on the pitch as left back. Um, Cess, who we all wanted up the pitch, was always there. He couldn't. The manager was rigid. No, I'm not. And, and Adoy played a few games and it didn't look all that bad. He, he wasn't offering amazing amounts of tacking. But um, go on six months later, he he's just he's he's played in a 23 game unbeaten run. He's he's starting almost every game. He's being carried on people's shoulders after scoring the winner to put us through to Wembley. I mean, such small margins in in a football player's career can make the difference between you know warming a bench and moments like that. I mean, he he would never have imagined that um, when he was when he was warming the bench. And when Matt Target signed, he must have thought, "Oh God, you know that's it. I won't even be on the bench." So um, I'm really happy for him. He seems like a really nice, likable fella. Met him after the game as well. He invited me on the pitch. Um, <laughs> um, Did he shake your hand though? No, I shook his. I think. Well, no, I tried. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got a touch. I got a touch. Um, but he was just looked on cloud nine. You know, I suppose that's that's a it's a, a great example to play. So, you know, keep at it, keep trying your hardest. I think Reem as well. Reem was told he could leave. Um, and he was looking for another club, and then came into training, tried hard, and I mean, such a turnaround story. And and so that shows you that Slav definitely will always have time for players. You know, he, he will always let you come back in. I mean, Kamara's not been, he's been on the bench a lot, but he's not been been starting. Now he's coming in, he looks a different player. Um, yeah, I think something someone was saying was that um, we don't have a psych, there's no like sports psychiatrist like that at the club and, and Slav does it. And various things I've heard from, from, from actually someone who was supposed to do the show tonight but couldn't make it, um, saying that he, um, you know, things like the volume of music and things like that before the game is all... Is all he's asked for that, and things like you know the youth team's not sitting at the same table as the, as, as the first team, and so he's obviously knows he's obviously trying to do something, and it's, it's obviously seems to be working. Well, that's not what he was trained in. So yeah, um, he's definitely some, something. It's, I mean, it's, it's it's easy when you win, you know. It's easy to keep. Um, it's when when people when you lose, the grumbles and the, and the and the stories start coming out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can keep. I mean, I can't see why we wouldn't keep spirits high for just another couple of weeks. And um, I just, uh, what was I? To me, I think the performance was so impressive. And actually, even even in the last couple of weeks, I mean, against Sunderland, we weren't great. And a lot of our performances, we were winning. But I didn't think the performance was there. I actually felt that the performances were dropping and dropping, and you know, right when it mattered. And and we've just completely turned that around yesterday. That that was pretty pretty dominant stuff. And that, that, could, be, that could be huge. Um, Come, come the final. I think it's, going back to your point about sort of what Slavs implemented within the club. Um, I was talking to someone about this. Um, I think during the the Fulham to Birmingham walk, actually, and they were because we needed to fill the hours. Um, and I'm saying that he'd, you know, the the, the bit the pre match when Ivan Berry reads out the home team, but he doesn't read out the away team. Apparently, that was up to Slav. And so I don't want you reading the away teams out. And I was like, I didn't even really notice that. I mean, I've, you know, I just thought it was a time thing. But then you go to other clubs and you actually hear them sort of read out sort of the Fulham team uh, prior to kickoff. So it's it's little things like that. And you kind of, you know, you got to respect that. I mean, he's obviously put a, a lot of thought into everything within the club. He may just be a head coach per se, but he's very much a manager, you know, in sort of, all but name, I guess. All in the head. It is all in the head. The psychology <laughs> side of it is, is huge. I mean, this is why they get paid a lot of money to work with sort of professional sports teams. It's because 
this these little things that they come in with they may not realize at the time that they actually do something but down the line at the end of the season actually that made a huge difference so yeah I think, I think it's great what he's sort of doing there. I think when you get into the premiership, you do have more money to be able to spend on things like that. Because you could, yeah, I guess you'd consider a sports psychologist a luxury here at this level. And I think, you know, when you're sort of making sort of 150 million or whatever it is from TV money, um, you can probably sort of splash out, yeah, a couple of hundred grand on someone who could actually sort of change a season. And speaking about the playoffs, I think Villa are just about to win it just watching the time wasting in the corner at the moment. Well, I'm just, um, I'm just looking and... Borough have, have had zero shots on target and that must be incredibly frustrating for their fans. Yeah, Stuart Downey hit the crossbar with a free kick in the 89th minute. So there's a, there's a, there's a few there's a few northerners with their hands on their heads and tears in their eyes. Quick point I wanted to make because I, I saw it last night. I saw K-Mac get booked. Does anyone know why? Did he go off I, the pitch to have a drink and he booked he, he didn't. He didn't go off the pitch. He went to the end of the pitch and grabbed some water and then he got booked. But he, he got the ball thrown at him and he got booked. But he wasn't taking the free kick. That was the thing that confused me about it. Did the ref see it as time wasting? Right. I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, maybe, but he wasn't taking the free kick. <laughs> so it, it, I, I thought yeah. the ref, I mean, I know a lot, of the, a lot of the guys in the WhatsApp chat thought he had a good game. I, I thought he had a pretty poor game, to be honest. But I think, I think that's game. one thing that won't be sort of too disappointing. I mean, I love, I love the championship. You know, it's it's a it's a great league. It's exciting. You know, sort of we've seen some sort of great matches in the few years been here. Uh, Villa have just won, by the way, or drawn nil nil in there through Wembley. Um, exciting stuff. Yeah, brilliant. Jednak now fighting off Brummies because he well doesn't like them by the looks, but yeah. But the referees, it's quite remarkable the actual difference between the quality of Premiership and I guess the EFL referees. I don't know if the Championship has different ones to say League One, League Two. Or if, you know, there's a slightly sort of, you know, uh, there's a grade so, you know, you can switch between the leagues. But the sort of the quality that we've seen over the last kind of three, was it four, was it three or four years now? I've lost track. Four years um, has been questionable at best. So I think it would be quite nice to actually get into the premiership again. And we'll actually appreciate the quality of the refs, even though they can seem a bit dodgy at times. I think that's one of the big downfalls of of, of the um, of the championship. Really, that the quality of refereeing isn't isn't good enough. And I mean, referees get bashed from every direction. So I've, I feel, and as a young person, why on earth would you get into it? Uh, it's like a bit of a thankless task. But I kind of liken watching a game in the championship. Like it's like if you fly with British Airways and you just kind of you relax. You think oh, I've got a good pilot here. Whereas if you fly with a dodgy local airline somewhere far flung corner of the world, you kind of kind of a bit apprehensive you know and I just kind of feel like that with most championship games like what, what have we got what have we got here who's in control and are they in control yeah I mean as long as, long as it's not sort of an ex-member of the Indonesian Air Force I don't mind yeah, well, and that's, a, I mean, that's, in, that's in both cases yeah we're still we're still going to find um, we're still going to find things to complain about if we do get promoted I mean I think we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves because we may well be stuck with them for another decade so um you know, it's good. It's, yeah, good. it's great. Mean, that it's great that we're going. It's great that we're going to, to the final. We just need to make a day of it. And I think the point you, you made right at the beginning, which is actually really important. I mean, this literally is what the whole season is aimed for. You know, all every game so far has been aiming for this for this one conclusion, basically. So it is different from from other competitions, other kind of cup competitions and things where if your league position is is stable. And um, I hope that 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 win, you know, will just kind of take 
take any shackles, any weight off the players and let them play with a bit of freedom because, yeah, I don't want them to think, I don't want them to be thinking about that for 90 minutes or longer on a, in a couple of weeks. No, I don't think, I think, yeah, Slab will have them in sort of, he'll have them in great nick. He'll have them in the best sort of possible shape, physically, mentally, for the game. But they are going to get it, their players' names have, read out before the game, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't, we don't have that sort of, uh, that luxury. Um, are, those, are we technically the home team? I don't know. I'm not quite sure how it works for. Uh, what, is there one? I don't uh, know. I don't know. We, you, we get a particular dressing room. One's one's lucky. One's not. We've now got what is it? Eleven days. Ten days. Eleven days until the final. Let's let's just finish off. What what is what is Slav going to be doing with this team now? Is it going to be straight up preparation? Do you think he'll give them a few days off just to relax? Or, um, you know, maybe even take them away, take one of those little sort of Dubai breaks or something. Uh, Matt, what, what, what would you see as in your, uh, your footballing mind, what would you consider sort of the ideal preparation for a game of this magnitude? A uh, couple of days Just off. be on spot, you know. And then just same as it's been all season, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, just pretend we played on the Saturday, train as we would have done, and turn up the next Saturday. I mean... Obviously, the players will know, will already know, you know, this is the biggest game of the season. This is the biggest game of most of their careers so far. The biggest game, you know, a lot of Fulham fans have ever, will ever have been to. They know that already. They don't need anything different to kind of take them out of, you know, the way they've been preparing for games the whole season. Remember, you know, how we played against Derby in the, at home. It was, if we play like that against Aston Villa, then we'll be too good for them. Simple as that. Slab just needs to tell him that. What I, what actually I just want to mention, I watched the, the interview of Tim Ream afterwards. We, you know, we've, we've mentioned him already, but he 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 said in it at half time, he said, you know, we knew we were going to score, and we knew when we scored we were going to get another. And there's that, you know, that attitude that has has come through, and you know, Slav has has drilled that into the players. You know, they they're not just confident they can win; they 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 know they're going to win win games and you know with that attitude I, th- I think we can do it but don't change anything just just because it's you know <laughs> the biggest game of your career john do you agree or would you take them away to mallorca sure. for a bit of hot weather training i would go straight to spain hijack a taxi um work for west brom <laughs> and um <laughs> guarantee a win um no probably guaranteed to be playing in the same league as west brom next year uh yeah i think i'm spot on with what matt's saying really i would um as if it's just a normal week. I mean, we don't, don't know if we have the best record after international breaks and this could be deemed as the equivalent, but yeah, it's, it's same as usual, basically. I mean, really what you want to be, you want the players on the fringes. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any drastic changes, but you know, you want to say like, show me why you should play, you know, in training and um, nothing too heavy, but yeah, you want um, everyone pushing in the same direction, just doing what's normal. I hope we can... Um, Villa have got quite a noisy bunch. You know, we need to match. We need to match their fans on the day, as our players need to match their players. So um, I think we're going to take. Well, hopefully we sell out and make make a hell of a lot of noise. I mean, the atmosphere at the cottage um, last night was really was really brilliant. Um, I, I usually sit in the hammy. I was right down the other end, right by the Putney end. But you know, the Putney end was starting the chance. It was um, it was a great, great, great atmosphere, and the fans deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think um, our style of football as well. I think it's it's prettier than Bruce's. Uh, one of the points that uh, Matt Baldwin and I made previous podcast was the fact that they have a player in John Terry 
as vile as a human as he may be, who has played in these massive games. And it was we were trying to work out if there are any other players who may have played in sort of matches of the same kind of importance. Um, and we couldn't really think of any. Maybe we were thinking like came back at Burnley, but he'll he'll know what to say to them. And he'll know how best to prepare them for this. And, you know, Steve Bruce as well, because obviously he's been there, done that. Um, whereas we kind of lack that experience in these kind of games. And that's the only sort of worry that I have, because I think in terms of footballing style, our attacking football will, you know, it will not scare Villa, but I mean, Steve Bruce, you know, wasn't, you know Villa fans don't, they don't think um, when attacking teams come up against them, don't think they sort of produce the best displays. And I think it'll be a cracking game. I think it'll be two teams going for it. And hopefully we won't bottle it like we did in the last sort of game of the season. Because if we put out a performance when we're under a bit of pressure, like we did then, it, it, just, it won't go to plan. But if we keep going with the way that we've been playing for the last five and a half months, I, I'm not a praying man, but I will pray to hope that that will get us back to the Premier League because we need to be there with this style of football. We can't keep, you know, being the best team in the championship who aren't promoted. So, yeah, I think we keep going. We prepare in the best possible way. Nine days of preparation to rest in there and make sure they're all in the best possible mood and sort of given as much confidence as they can, uh, going into that game. I mean, before we finish, uh, Matt, John, start with Matt. Any final points on the game? What we've uh, got coming up? Anything? Um, yeah, keep keep practising corners. Keep putting them in the box. Look what, look what happens when you do. Oh, I mean, I mean, we actually forgot to mention that because, I mean, let's, everything is sort of said about the doy's header. Uh, <laughs> we've got to talk about the goals. But, I mean, they were, they were great goals. I mean, Seth doing what he's been doing for sort of you know, best part of the season while he's been playing at left wing. But that corner delivery from him was an absolute cracker. And I think it was kind of like, you know, whether it was a bit lucky considering the sort of the corners have been putting in for the last uh, few years. Um, it was just like, it was just that sort of that perfect delivery met by sort of, you know, the perfect flick on header. So yeah, that was, uh, that was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was, uh, I was in age seven. So it was kind of the angle of the ball sort of looping into the top corner. I mean, how high has Adoy got? He's got to be, a, he has to be the smallest player on the pitch last night. Certainly, he wasn't, he was smaller than all of the Derby players, apart from Anya. But um, it was that, it was the same thing against Juventus, you know, it it seemed to stand still. And, you know, we we were waiting, it, it, it was going towards the post, you know, we were waiting, and waiting until the net moved to even react. And you can see from, Watching it back, you know the, the sort of celebration ripple starts from from sort of eight H eight H seven that kind of way, and it, it sort of goes all the way around down down the hammy end. It, <laughs> but we, we it was that sort of not don't celebrate it too early because even though it's gone in, it still might not go in. It was that sort of you know that kind of feeling. It's incredible. What a header! Uh, he deserved that from his performance as well. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and John, your your final thoughts. I'd like to thank the brilliant service staff at um, Craven Cottage for making me miss the first goal. That was, that was <laughs> Come on, John. Vent, um, Vent, what was wrong? What, what not, happened? Bitter, not bitter at all. Well, they ran out of beer, which is obviously um, the one thing that football yeah, stadiums don't need. You know, yeah. you can't have enough of that. 
Um, but <laughs> um, I don't know if we spoke that much about the actual the actual football. I thought you know, the performance was was, was good. I think um, having AK up there really occupied their defence. I hope I hope he starts in the in the, in the final. I don't I can't see how you can drop him. But having the kind of physicality of Mitro, the pace directness and physicality of AK, and then and then Cesc, who's just did Cesc have a great game? He scored the goal and assisted the other, so he 100% did. But that's the kind of He's not the kind of Tom Kearney who's going to dictate the game and dominate the game, but just the important moments of a game often come through or in, or in, involved with with Cess, which is you know the signs of a, of a great player. I um a bit of talk about the size of the pitch at Wembley if it's going to benefit us with our passing game, tire them out. I, I, I'm a bit worried. Derby weren't very clinical on the counter attack in both legs. They had a few opportunities and just the passes weren't weren't good enough. And I think Grealish is is incredibly dangerous on the counter, so we're going to need to kind of have someone shadowing him. And if you look at the time, our half has got no one but bets in it half the time. And and on a pitch of that size, you know they come flooding forward. It could be could be nerve wracking, but hopefully, you know, I'm I'm confident. I'd much rather a team beat another team than it be lucky or you know say someone dies or there's a dodgy penalty or something like that. So. I really hope it's a great, great game. I really hope we deserve to win, and I hope that we do win. But you know, I don't want you know no, no awful own goals or goalkeeping blunders or red cards in the first five minutes. I really hope it's eleven against eleven, and it's the kind of the best of the championship. Fulham, the better team, win obviously. Yeah, of course, because it'd be careless. We didn't say that on a Fulham-based podcast, um, <laughs> so I think you know. You're right in saying that the pitch might be a factor. I mean, Villa play on a bigger pitch than ours, I think. But we'll see. I mean, the way that we play football, it may work perfectly for our style. We will wrap it up now, though. Uh, I think we, we might have another sort of podcast leading up to the finals. You know, there's no, there's not long left of the season. There's only a game left. So we might as well sort of make the most of it. And yeah, I think we're all sort of riding that sort of that wave of sort of feel good uh, factor at the moment. And I think it'll be great to see how it pans out over the uh, the next 10 days, uh, what comes out. I mean, obviously, I think uh, there won't be a huge amount of noise. I think they'll all be very focused. Yeah, let's, let's just keep going. Let's just keep sort of in our heads, just like the confidence, you know, we will win this game if we play our football to the, uh, to the way we've been playing it in the past few months. So on that note, let's wrap it up. Great result last night. Huge, huge, huge game coming up in 10 days. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for it. And, yeah, come in your whites. Come on, Fulham. Fulham.